as they make their way down today. Why don't you turn with me and your Bible to Psalm 100. Psalm 100. Today is the Sunday before Thanksgiving, of course. You know that many of you have plans and schedules already in place for the week. I hope that part of your plan and its schedule for this afternoon includes you joining us for an opportunity to share together. And it's more than just sitting around a table and, and eating with people. It's an opportunity for fellowship. It's an opportunity for us to spend a little time together. we we'll actually sing a little bit, have a devotion together, uh, give you an opportunity to share some of those things that you're thankful for throughout the course of this year. Just kind of try, kind of try to put our, our Thanksgiving holiday in perspective and, and what we're celebrating. So um, that's this afternoon. Regardless of which direction you go in this week, uh, where you are and who you are with, with your Thanksgiving holidays, I also want to kind of give you a little perspective as well. Uh, Here from Psalm 100, and we're going to talk a little bit today about the methods and motivations of Thanksgiving. It's said that uh, years ago, actually there was an article that was published that said that uh, when Rudyard Kipling, Rudyard Kipling, the author Uh, that when he was at the height of his popularity, when he was writing, it was reported that uh, every word that Rudyard Kipling wrote was worth about 25 shillings. He wrote over in Great Britain, he wrote over in in that area, and uh, they reported in the news that for every word that he wrote, that when he put out an article, when he put out a book, when he put out some kind of short story, he was compensated, and that for every word that he wrote, he averaged about 25 shillings a word. That's what he was paid. And there were some um, smart-alecky college students at Oxford that had read that, and they saw that Rudyard Kipling was paid 25 shillings per word. And so they decided to write a little letter to Rudyard Kipling, and they wrote in the letter, hey, we heard that uh, every word that you write is worth 25 shillings. And so they enclosed in their letter 25 shillings, and they said, give us your best word. And they didn't think that they would hear anything back, but about three or four days later, they got a an address letter to um, the place that it was sent from, from the fraternity house from which it was sent from. And in that, there was a return note from Rudyard Kipling, and it had one word on it. And his one word was, thanks. Most important word, thanks. We talk about it every year around Thanksgiving, thankfulness. We talk about it as if this is the only time of year at which we should be thankful, although we know, we recognize, we realize that our thankfulness should extend far beyond this day, but we, we spend some time talking about Thanksgiving. We spend some time talking about thankfulness. Now, I can remember through the years, you know, 30-plus years in ministry, I can remember some of those very memorable things that people said that they were thankful for. You know, there have been occasions where people have had an opportunity to share what they're thankful for, and a lot of times they sound the same, like the time that I was doing that children's message at the church where I was pastor, and they still had the children's sermon, and the children came down front, and they gathered around, and they didn't have a youth pastor, didn't have a children's pastor, didn't have a children's ministry leader, so it kind of fell on the pastor, and it was the Sunday before Thanksgiving, and I was talking with the kids and said, hey, tell me what you're thankful for, and I had a microphone, and I'd hold it in their face, and they would tell me what they were thankful for, and they said things like, oh, I'm thankful for grandma. I'm thankful for mommy. 
hey, mommy, and, you know, they do that like kids do when they're down front, and I'm thankful for um, being able to play outside, and then, you know, I held the microphone down to this one kid who had his hand up, and I stuck the microphone in his face. He said, I'm thankful that I was puking on Friday because I didn't have to go to school. I remember that one. I remember being in the nursing home where asking those in the nursing home, I said, why don't you just tell me, as we were doing a Thanksgiving devotion, why don't you tell me some of the things you're thankful for today? And again, you know, people started calling out things. And after a lull in the conversation, one little old lady was sitting in a wheelchair. She said, I am so thankful that I have two teeth left, one on the bottom and one on the top, so I can still eat corn on the cob. See? And she smiled. She had two teeth left. That's what she had right there. I remember that. I remember being with a group of pastors years ago, Amherst Baptist Church. We used to get together for a pastor's fellowship once a month, and it was around Thanksgiving time, and we were just kind of chatting a little bit and joking, and, you know, we, we would didn't really have a devotional time so much as just an opportunity to fellowship. And, and we were talking some before the, the prayer time, before the meal, and said, hey, why don't we just share a few things that we're thankful for? And these pastors, these guys who, you know, I mean, you know, these deep spiritual leaders sitting around the table talking about some things that they were thankful for. And there was this one little old fella. I mean, he was just, he was, uh, I loved him. He, he, was, he was cornbread to the core. I mean, he was just a little country fella, and um, he said, I'm thankful for my little finger. And he held his little finger up, and the tip of his little finger was missing. And we all kind of looked at him. He said, I'm thankful for my little finger. He said, I lost the tip of this little finger years ago, and now look what I can do. And he stuck his finger in his ear, and he started digging around. He said, it fits perfectly now. I'm so thankful that God took the tip of my finger. (laughs) What do you say to that? There is no theological response to something like that. What are you thankful for? What are you thankful for? Well, Psalm 100, we're going to look today, and we're going to talk a little bit. We're going to talk about the methods and the motivations for thanksgiving because I, I think sometimes we just need a little prompting. We need a little shove to remember some of the things, some of the motivations for which we ought to be thankful but also to remember some of the ways which God calls us to be thankful by, the methods. So let's read Psalm 100, short little psalm, five verses. Starting at verse 1 in Psalm 100, here's what it says. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us, not we ourselves. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. I want to talk to you today a little bit about the methods and the motivations for Thanksgiving. The methods and the motivations for Thanksgiving. Now, here in this short, brief psalm, 
the Lord through David actually gives us some ways that he would like to see us respond in thanks. Some ways that he tells us he would like to see us respond in thanks. Some of the methods by which the Lord calls us to respond in thanks. And the very first thing that he says is one of those things that in the Baptist church we are a little um, put off by. That um, He says, I want you to have a joyful shout of thanks. I want you to have a joyful shout of thanks. Now, this is a very specific command that the Lord gives through David. I want you to have a joyful shout of thanks, he says there in verse 1. And the reason that he says this is because we are supposed to be proclaiming to each other part of this message of the goodness of God, in addition to proclaiming to God how good he is. As that song the choir just sang that song, which was a remake of that old chorus that we used to sing, God is so good. That message is supposed to be both vertical and horizontal. That message is supposed to occur this way and this way. God is so good. God, you're so good. That's supposed to be the proclamation. I want you to do something with me today. I want you to take just a second. I'm going to give you 15 seconds. I said take just a second and yeah, 15. All right, take just 15 seconds, okay? Think of something that you are really thankful for today. Five seconds left. Turn and tell somebody nearby. Hmm. Now, please note, and I, I'm, I'm a little more of a literalist with Scripture, so when he says, make a joyful shout, he doesn't really mean a joyful mumble or a joyful whisper. Uh, I'm, I'm real thankful that I'm in church seated next to you today. I, I'm, I'm real thankful that um, we get to come and have um, some of Pam Sherman's cake today. I hope she brings some, maybe some lemon pie this afternoon. I'm real thankful that I'm saved. He doesn't tell us to give a joyful whisper. He tells us to give a joyful shout unto the Lord. Hey, let's try this. Why don't you take that same thing that you just told your neighbor in a whisper, and why don't you shout it out with me today? I'm thankful for, and then you shout it out. Okay, let's try it. I know you're, you're already feeling awkward here. You're thinking, I wish I had gone to um, that other church down the road today. Too late. Too late. You're here. And you're going to stand out if you don't do this. So, joyful shout, okay? I'm thankful for my wife. Hey, that was pretty good. You did good. I really didn't think you did. Uh, joyful shout. The Lord asks us to give a joyful shout. It's okay to shout in church. We ought to be shouting in church. 
We ought to have something to shout about in church. And the Lord tells us, give us a joyful shout to each other and a shout out to the Lord. He also says, I want you to give glad service. Serve the Lord with gladness. Serve the Lord with gladness. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been doing this for a little while, and I think that one of the most thankless jobs in the life of a church is serving on the nominating committee. You've probably heard me say that before. Serving on the nominating committee, I've heard people say, and I wholeheartedly agree, everybody in the church ought to serve on nominating committee at least once. To go around asking people, will you serve? Will you serve? Will you serve? Will you serve here? Will you serve there? Will you do this? Will you do that? And how often they get a, no, uh uh-uh, no, mm, not me. Don't have time. Don't want to. Did that before. Service shouldn't be a burden. And yet, that's very much what we've turned it into. They asked me to serve on the personnel committee. They need more help in the nursery. The Lord says, you know, if you really want to show your thanks to me, maybe you should Give me a little joy in the fact that I've given you a purpose and I've given you the privilege of joining with me in my ministry. What are the methods that the Lord outlines for us? He says we ought to have a joyful shout and we ought to have glad service. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Come before his presence with singing. How does the Lord tell us he wants us to give thanks to him? A joyful shout, glad service. And the Lord says this, not me. He says, heartfelt singing. Now, I know, I know the first thought that comes to mind with many of you because you've shared it with me. You've said this before. Some of you said, you really don't want to hear me sing. I can't sing. I can't sing for anything. You don't want to hear me. Well, let me let you in on a little secret here. Psalm 100 does not say, come before his presence with singing on key. It doesn't say, come before his presence singing in a tenor voice. It doesn't say, come before his presence singing with a beautiful Soprano aria. It says, come before his presence singing, period. And so it means whether you sing like an opera singer or you sing like Kermit the Frog, it really doesn't matter. God doesn't care. Maybe people around you care, but they shouldn't. Because this isn't American Idol, and it's not The Voice. Really, actually, if this had a title, it would be The Heart, not The Voice. 
Because when we come before the Lord with singing, it's not about how we sound, it's about the heart. It's about what we are singing from. I could sing, then sings my soul. And if my soul isn't singing anything, the song doesn't matter. He wants me to come before his presence singing, whether I'm on key, whether I sound good, whether I have the right volume, the right tone. Those are irrelevant as far as the things. Now, it's great when we can sound good and draw people in with the sound to connect with the message, but it is not a requirement for giving thanks. That's why every week we sing, and we have people who sing, and they work at trying to get the tune, the notes, and the tempo right, but not everybody's in the choir. We're called to sing, to offer a joyful shout and glad service. Those are the methods. Those are the methods that the Lord asks us to use in singing to him, in praising him, in thanking him, a joyful shout, glad service, heartfelt singing. But what is it that he wants us to thank him for? Now, this is not an exhaustive list by any means. Just like the methods list is not an exhaustive list, he spells out three things here in Psalm 100. It's not intended to be a theological dictionary. It's not intended to be a commentary to say, here's all the ways, here's all the methods that you can praise God. He just gives us three simple ones. And here's a few of the motivations. These are not an exhaustive list of all the reasons we ought to be thanking God. They are just a few. But he says, here's a few. Let me give you a few. If you're not sure what you should be thanking for God for today, here, I'll share a few with you. Verse 3, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. Why should we be thanking God? Well, because he's my creator. He is creator. Many people are fascinated in this day and age. They're fascinated with studying creation. They're studying what God has made. And there are people who are consumed with studying the creation itself, studying the stars in the sky, studying our sun, studying our moon, studying things here on earth, studying the mountains, the seas, the oceans, studying life. But really, if we are to really catch a glimpse of what God, what it means for God to be creator, we really don't have to look any further than the hand in front of our face. We don't have to look any further than this to notice just how precious and special we are made in the image of God. We don't have to look any further than here with all the nerves that run through your hand, with all the veins that run through your hand, all the many little bones that cause your hand to move as your brain sends the electrical impulses to your hand. And with this hand, each finger has its own unique signature. Your finger has a signature that is unlike any other finger anywhere else. And God gives that finger that signature that is completely unique because God can. Because he's creator and because he is 
incredibly imaginative and inventive, and he can do whatever he wants. And he can make not just one little pattern that fits every index finger, but he can make a pattern that fits your index finger just for you. And so with this hand, with all those veins and all those nerves and all that blood that flows through there and the electrical impulses that come through and the bones that you can use to pick up and grasp things, he says, I've given you this hand so that you can reach down and you can hold that which is precious. You can caress the face of your child. You can hug the love of your life. You can work with the power that I've built into your body. You can keep that which is precious and you can repel that which should be kept away just with the hand. Why should I be thanking God today? Because God in his creation, in his infinite wisdom, in his infinite ingenuity, saw fit to make me, you, and to make us unique. If I'm looking for a reason to thank God today, maybe I should remember that he's creator Maybe I should remember that he is protector. It is he who has made us. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. You know, just a few days ago, a couple of weeks back, on Sunday morning, we, we had time where we gathered in here and we prayed for um, the persecuted church, International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. It, it, was, it was a great time to share together as we prayed for the persecuted church. But you know, as, as I wrote this down, as I, was, as I was thinking about this specific thing, that I should thank God because he's my protector. The, the thought dawned on me. I, I wonder... I wonder if that, that idea, God is my protector, means something different in other parts of the world than it does here. I, I wonder if the idea of God being my protector means something different than what I think it does to many other believers around the world. I mean, when I think of God being my protector, often what I think of is that, you know, I live in a pretty safe community, and I've, I've got a house with, you know, deadbolts on there and, you know, kind of keep any kind of person out or, you know, that God has kind of kept me from harm while I'm driving down the interstate that somebody hasn't swerved across the median and hit me head on. I think of God being my protector. And then I live in America where I have people who have volunteered their, their service for our nation and have, have, have given time to protect the interests of America through the years and that they have bought on occasion with blood our freedom. I, I think of God being my protector. But I wonder if somebody else in some other part of the world doesn't see this passage a little differently. I wonder if when they read that God is the shepherd and I am the sheep, I wonder if they don't have a little different perspective because wouldn't this mean something different for a believer who is in North Korea than a believer who is in America? 
Wouldn't this be something different for that believer who is in Cuba, as Hammond mentioned earlier, praying for the believers in Cuba, than it does here in America? Wouldn't this mean something different for somebody who is a believer in communist China than what it does here in the United States of America? I think so. I think it's a reminder to us that God is protector, but ultimately what God is protecting us from is not the physical harm that we may face in this world because, let's face it, there are plenty of circumstances that are very trying, that are very hurtful, that cause difficulty and pain. And God isn't saying, I'm going to spare you from all those things. What he's saying is, I'm going to spare you for eternity's sake. I came and I died on the cross to save you from your sin and the consequence of your sin. And even if you face some difficulty now, understand I'm protecting you for eternity. And there will be times that I protect you here and now, but you've got to understand I'm the shepherd. And oh, by the way, let this thought sink deep into your mind today. What do you think shepherds Eight. Vegetables, I hope. Where do you think the Passover lamb came from? Hey, my friend, when I came to faith in Jesus Christ, when I trusted him as my Lord and Savior, I put my hand, my, my life in his hand. And that which my father holds in his hand, no man can snatch from him. My life is his. But if as the great shepherd, he decides that he wants to pour me out for a greater purpose, that there is something else that he wants me to do with my life, and if it causes some discomfort and pain for this brief period of time, He will do so for his purpose. And he said, I've got you in my hand for eternity. God is my protector. And he is able to keep that which I have given him, which I have committed unto him against that day. What day? the day that I stand before him in eternity. And he says, why should I let you into my heaven? Because I trusted Christ. What are some motivations for why we ought to be thanking God? We ought to be thanking him because he's our creator, he's our protector, he is our savior. Verse five has that word there. The Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting. That word literally means mercy. It implies that I don't get what I do deserve. Mercy is where I don't get what I do deserve. I deserve death. I deserve hell. I deserve to be separated from him forever. But because God is merciful, he chooses not to give me what I deserve. And grace, he gives me what I don't deserve. I need some motivations for why I should be thankful today. I need to remember he's my creator. He's my protector. He's my savior. And he's not just good now. He's good 
forever. Always. His mercy is everlasting. And His truth endures to all generations. Why should I be thankful? Because He's my eternal King. How should I be thankful? <laughs> With a joyful shout to each other and to him. How should I be thankful? How should I be thankful that he's my Savior, that he's my eternal king, that forever he is unchanging, that he's secured me for all eternity? I should be thanking him with heartfelt service, heartfelt singing, and glad service. You know, as we enter into this Thanksgiving holiday, I think maybe we just needed a little reminder of why we should be thankful and how he calls us to be thankful. Let's pray. Father, today we give you our praise. We give you our thanks. We've done so with song. We're going to do so with a joyful shout, a shout out to you personally, a shout out to others, pointing them to you. Lord, we want to do so with glad service. Far too often my service is reluctant and grumbling. But because of what you have given, what you have done, I pray, Lord, you'd help me to give glad service and a heartfelt song. And Lord, though this isn't an exhaustive list of how I can or an exhaustive list of why I should, because you're my creator. You're, you're our savior. Lord, you, you show your mercy. But Lord, help me to remember those many reasons to be thankful today. Not only today, but for all eternity. We pray this in the strong name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen.